there are many new faces at Lipscomb Academy this academic year, and they each have interesting stories and experiences. Because we want you to get to know all of us, we are kicking off a series of episodes where we invite our colleagues, both new and seasoned, to share the Mustang's unbridled mic. So, come get to know us. Hello everyone, I'm Brad Schultz, Head of School. With me today is Amanda Price, Director of Communications. For our first episode in the series, Get to Know Us, we are talking to Ken Robinson, our Assistant Head of the Upper School. Ken joined the Lipscomb Academy Administration team this past summer. Welcome, Ken. Thanks for giving our community a chance to get to know you. Thank you, Brad. It's good to be here. Now, for you guys out there, Ken and I obviously have gotten to know each other this year, but we actually have known each other for many years. We worked together uh, at another school, Great Atlanta Christian School, for many years. We've worshipped together, and we've even uh, co-taught a, uh, a young adult singles class together uh, at the church. So we've gotten to know each other really well, and I'm excited for all of you guys to get to know Ken a little bit better, too. Now, Ken, you always, um, since I remember you talk about the value and the strength of relationships and how that plays into our lives, I believe that you heard about me coming to Lipscomb Academy as a head of school from your daughter, Sarah. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. We were, Sarah came home during the pandemic. She was there teaching from our house, and we're sitting around at dinner one night, and she got off the phone, and she said, hey, Brad was just hired as the head of school. So I turned, and I looked at my wife. We didn't say a word, and just kind of kind of went back to eating dinner. So And so when I called somewhat after that, um, because you, you were one of the first people I called, um, you didn't sound surprised that I was calling you. So thinking of that relationship and maybe that conversation you just mentioned, um, how do you think that played into that call and, and maybe you not seeming so surprised? Well, one, I, my mind went back to having that conversation three years before that where you asked me, have you ever considered administration, full-time administration? So that was in the back of my mind. And uh, I remember sitting there and my phone rings and I just take my phone and I look at it again and I turned and I looked at my wife and I showed it, it was Brad. And so uh, I wasn't surprised. And um, if you know my story, how God has worked in my life, he's, he's used other people just through the process of asking questions. So I think it was a combination of things that we talked about three years prior and just knowing how God has worked in my life to, to move me to different places. and where he wanted me so I'm so glad that you know Brad and you've known him for several decades I don't have that privilege of knowing you that well and of everyone in this room I have the least amount of knowledge when it comes to athletics so I'm going to ask a series of questions about your first career because you actually have had three full careers in your life you come from a family of extreme athletic ability one of four brothers um, all of you played high school or college football, and three played professional. You played two seasons with the Washington Redskins. So I want to know, in your 17 years of football, what did you learn about teamwork? Oh, wow. Um, I can think of several things, but I remember, um, I think the, the importance of being the right kind of person, that's what I remember more than anything. Um, if you watched the, the game on Saturday, Florida and Louisiana, you saw the importance of uh, character there at the end. But um, I remember my rookie year with the Redskins, and I remember my first training camp, and Coach Joe Gibbs is, is a coach, and he stands before the team, and he says, okay, guys, here's, here's what we're looking for. We're looking for the right kind of person first, more so than ability. 
I'm 23 years old and I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, you're just kind of giving us coach speech. But I remember we, we scrimmaged the Bills um, my first year. And after the game, we're in our position groups and we're watching the tape from the game. Coach Pecatello, who was our linebacker coach at the time, he's, he was making corrections and he was talking to this one player. And in the middle, he starts arguing with the coach. And I'm going, this is pro football. I guess the players argue with the coach. Well, I come in the next morning into our facility and he was gone. They released him, they cut him. I never forgot that, the importance of being able to trust people, uh, the importance of relationships, the importance of being the right kind of person, more so than anything. And there are a lot of other things that I've learned, but that was probably the biggest lesson in all my years of playing, the importance of just being the right kind of person first. Yeah. Well, in your SEC and NFL past, I'm sure you have lots of interesting stories. I just want to know, what were your happiest memories from your football career? Oh, wow. I remember, this is going to probably surprise you. It's a high school football game from my high school. 1981, the fall of 1981, we're playing a team by the name of Fort Johnson High School. And the reason it sticks out to me, our head coach and their head coach actually were a part of the same staff at one time. And so they're a really good football team. We're a really good football team. We lose one game prior to that. So if we lose this game, we're done or we're not going to make the playoffs. And, uh, and so it's a real battle. Again, it, fourth quarter, I think our nose guard, a guy by the name of Dale Griffin, we've kind of reconnected after all these years. He's running for political office in Charleston. And uh, he hits the quarterback, and they fumble the ball on their 10-yard line. We get the ball. And it took us every bit of four downs to score, but we score. And so we go up six to nothing. And it's, uh, again, we have to hold on, but we, we win the game six to nothing. That means more to me than being a part of that Super Bowl team. Uh, and I've always said that high school football, because it's pure, you're playing for the love of it. After that, even at the collegiate level, it's, it's, it's different. It's fun, a lot of great memories. Uh, obviously professional football and having an opportunity to be a part of the Super Bowl 22 teams, great memory, but by far um, that night against Fort Johnson back in the fall of 1981 would probably be my greatest memory from playing football. You know, that's really interesting since you did play professional and most people probably would expect you to say it was a memory that came out of when you played with the Washington Redskins. So thanks for saying it was your high school. Yep. <laughs> So bringing up Washington Redskins, if you were still a part of that team, whether staff or in some other capacity, what name would you come up for the Washington football team? Now, this is where we're going to think I'm crazy. I spent, I actually researched, I'm sitting there researching, okay, and a lot of people ask that same question. I've seen the Warriors and they're saying, well, that's kind of, that's kind of same as the Redskins, the Red Tails. It's one of the other ones that's popped up a lot. I haven't settled. Um, it's a tough, tough thing, and I'm sure they're going to pay somebody a lot of money to rebrand it and have a lot better ideas than I do. But I can't, re I can't think of anything. Probably the closest one that seems to have garnered the most support has been the Red Tails, and it's based on uh, the Tuskegee Airmen. Um, this group of fighter pilots, obviously from World War II, and, uh, and so that's why it's been one of those that the public and their fan base, uh, some of their fan base has been pushing for them to consider, so. I have one. 
the Washington gavels so they can <laughs> lay the hammer down. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, Ken, you, um, your family had a, a trucking company that they owned and operated, and after your football career, you spent the next 14 years working within that, focusing on logistics and leadership. I've heard you say that logistics is a lot, a lot like a football team. Uh, how so? Well, one, it's fast-paced. Um, you're constantly faced with problems, and so you have to solve problems. You have to adjust. Uh, I, I spent, after I got done uh, being a part of our family business, I went to work for this other company, and um, we dealt with independent, independent operators. And so you're having to do a lot of selling and convincing independent businessmen to take a load that might not be in their best interest on this one piece, but maybe in the big picture, I'm gonna move you to California and you're gonna get this big, big payload coming back. And what it required is you had to develop trust. And, uh, and so, and being honest, a lot, I can remember a lot of Friday afternoons, a driver would call in, you didn't have a load for him, he's in California and he wants to be on the road over the weekend. And there were a lot of people that I worked with, they just weren't honest with them. They'd go, call me back in an hour, I'll have a load for you. They didn't, and then he would just leave. I just felt like maybe in the short run, you didn't have to deal with that problem of having an angry driver, but there were a lot of Fridays where I would sit and wait for him to call back and I go, look, I don't have a load for you. And I know that's not what you wanna hear, but it's the truth. And I firmly believe, and I've always believed this, even in coaching, when you have to tell a player something that maybe they didn't want to hear, that it was more important that they trust me. And I believe that in the long run, that that was going to that was going to be the way to go. So a lot of similarities, teamwork, getting people maybe to do things that they didn't, don't want to do, um, and getting them to think about the big picture and not just my small piece of the puzzle. All right, so in that, in that answer, you mentioned trust and hearing things sometimes that you don't want to hear, sometimes things you weren't expecting to hear. I've always heard you, you know, emphatically talk about the trust of hearing God's voice and doing what he says, even when maybe not what you wanted to hear or expected to hear, those types of things, but you build that trust in that relationship as well. What did you hear from God that led you to leave that career into education? Well, a similar story. Um, I did a lot of corporate training, and I remember being in Jacksonville, Florida. I was doing a driver meet, meeting on a Saturday, and when I, get, when I got done, the terminal manager came to me and says, have you ever thought about teaching kids? You're really, really a great teacher. Um, and so that planted a seed. I left that company and went for another company, company. That was more of on the safety part. Then I started managing terminals. And um, a vice president that I reported to, he came to a meeting that I did, and he says, you are really, really good at this. Um, you really ought to think about that. I think the last thing for me, um, my two older kids were really small, and um, I worked at Walmart. I managed a dedicated fleet for Walmart, and I never had a life. And I remember walking out of church on a Sunday and I'm sitting in our car, Christian, and I, I kind of tell a story about this. He would never say this now if he knew Christian. While I'm on the phone, I'm talking with my counterpart at Walmart, and when I hang the phone up, he says, I think the cell phone was the worst invention ever. And what he was telling me, I want my dad. Right. I want my dad to pay attention to me, and I'll never forget that. 
and th th that was one of many things like that happened along the way. And um, so about 2001, um, the latter part of 2001, spring of 2002, I made a decision that I was going to change careers. And I knew a family at Greater Atlanta Christian School. Again, at church, Snellville Church of Christ, do you know anyone at Greater Atlanta Christian School that I can talk to? Oh, I know John Clovis. We're friends with John Clovis. And so he reaches out to John Clovis, and John Clovis, I don't know who he talked to, maybe it was Jimmy Chubb. And I get a call from Jimmy, and I come to campus. And so that, that's, that was the transition from uh, corporate life to education. That's great. Jimmy's the one that called me as well. <laughs> Jimmy's famous line was for me, hey, man, you need to come GAC. We pray a lot, preach a lot, teach a lot. <laughs> That's yeah. what he said. He was always fired up. Yeah. Well, well, I'm glad that you uh, heard God's voice and heard those voices reaching out to you uh, that started your journey in education. That now spans 18 years. Yeah. Over those 18 years in education, and it's hard. This is, this is a tough question to ask anyone. Is there one defining moment that you say, this is why I entered education. This right here exemplifies that. I can I can think of so many. I brought I actually brought a, a note. Uh, I mentioned this. These this is actually triplets that I taught my last year at school. I just came from Taylor, Amber, and Brooke Demay, and I remember walking back in my classroom, and I found two of these cards on my on my desk, and and then the. The, the third part of the triplets actually gave it to me later. And this is from Amber. She said, thank you for always being so encouraging. You're an awesome teacher, and you always find a way to tear up our class. Thank you for being so respectful and having patience with me. And this is from Taylor. She says, dear Coach Rob, I would like to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for all you've done. You've taught me so much, and I'm so grateful. Um, I had uh, grateful to have had you as a teacher. Thank you for always uh, having encouraging words each and every day. You always start my day off right. I'm truly thankful for that. I hope you have a great rest of your day and week. See you later. And I can think of the relationships um, that I've developed with players that I've coached over the years. And we, I remember a conversation we had about um, one of the things I believe that, that is not about the trophy all the times when I've coached but it's what that trophy represents. Um, the relationship, the sacrifice, that if any group of people is going to accomplish anything of significance, the reason that's so special because in order for that to happen, people have to die to themselves. They have to learn to think about other people. And, and so I wrote at the top of this sheet, I wrote Paul Smith, 1996. Paul and I are still friends from my days at Rocor International. And and it's not the things so much that we're doing, but the relationships that you develop as you go through those things together is what I believe that, that gives, those, uh, gives those relationships uh, purpose and meaning that you're, you're working through something to try to accomplish it together. Well, I love that you had students that thought enough of you that they came back and they shared that with you. And I would really like to see how every student can go back to at least one teacher to say thank you and this is why I appreciated you as a teacher. So I think it's wonderful that you had students that did that for you. I tell teachers when you get those, hold on to it. 
um, and you pull it out maybe when you need to be reminded when you're having a tough day um, to be reminded that what we do matters and that we're making a difference in the lives of um, young people. I agree. I noticed that you wear three bracelets on your wrist and normally when we wear the same jewelry over and over again it signifies something valuable to us like wedding rings. Can you tell us what those three bracelets mean? Yeah, the, obviously the first one's be set apart. And um, I really like that. Um, I remember when I first came and running into a couple of guys that play football in, in the hallway and I, I would ask them, what does that mean? What does it mean to be set apart? And the reason I like that is because I, I think what it communicates is that you are described to be your best wherever you're at, whether it's in the competitive arena, whether it's in our community, the best citizen I can be in the community, and certainly I want to be the best that I can be in the classroom. This other one, obviously, I wear, uh, it's from University of Florida, it says fast, physical, and aggressive. Uh, obviously, with Christian coaching at, at, at Florida, I was telling my wife, I think I've gotten worse. I can't sit down and watch the game. I'm a nervous wreck watching as a parent. Probably worse than when I coach myself. But so that's what that means. And then the other one says a living sacrifice. It's Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so obviously Paul talking about, in view of God's mercy, the kind of lives we ought to live and that we ought to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That just reminds me, um, and this is, I think we talked briefly about that. Every day I get in a car and I drive down Hillsboro, my mindset is, okay, Lord, um, how should I live today? How can I add value to somebody's life today? And really thinking about that. A couple couple other verses that are really important to me um, as it relates to that is 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 and verse 58, where Paul says, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, knowing that what you're doing is not in vain. And I, I just believe that when you discover your ultimate purpose, it just gives purpose to everything else. Um, it creates a sense of urgency, a deep, deep purpose. And um, another verse, uh, Peter talks about how Jesus, uh, God through the blood of Jesus has redeemed us from this empty way of life. And when I think of empty, I think of vain. There's no purpose to it. And so because of what Jesus has done for us, my job, a dad, a husband, whatever, just takes on a totally different purpose because of what Jesus did. And so that's what that's why I wear that. It re reminds me every day when you get up how you're going to live in light of what, what God has done for you. You're a soft-spoken speaker, but you're also a storyteller. Mm -hmm. And the things you've been talking about today with us that have meaning for you and you've shared You've shared stories that bring us into your life. So I want you to tell me about the objects in your office that are meaningful to you and how you share those when you mentor others. Okay. Oh, wow. I got a couple. I'm one of these weird people when my wife and kids, they said, okay, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for Christmas? They know. I don't want anything that we're going to sit in the corner. So they used to give me gift cards to Amazon because I, I love to buy books, but uh, one year, my wife bought me an hourglass, and for me, that hourglass reminds me of a, several things. Obviously, Psalms 90 and verse 12, where Moses says, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Again, there's that purpose, that every day, there should be a purpose. Kenny Chesney had the song, Don't Blink, so it kind of is connected to that as well. You know, he has a line, 
in that song, he says, when your hourglass runs out, you can't flip it over and start again. And so how are you going to live in light of the time that God has given you? I have a compass that sits at the, my desk. And that compass, for me, reminds me of several things. Principles, I think of character, and I think of integrity. That it always points north and it gives direction for your life. So how should I live? Principles, truth should guide um, the decisions and choices that I make. I've got a, I didn't bring it with me because it looks like a weapon, but it's like an old farm file. <laughs> I keep it in my home office. And I think my wife bought that for me as well. That reminds me of uh, Proverbs 27, 17, where it says this, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And so that reminds me again, we think about purpose. What should be my purpose? My purpose should be, how can I add value to other people? How can I sharpen their life and help them to grow and be who God wants them to be? And then I have a plaque. It simply says, because you believe in me, I believe in me. And that was actually given to me by my wife, not because it represents me, but it represents my mom's mom. My mom died when I was nine years old. And I know that there's, there's several reasons why I am the way I am, but because of my grandmother. She just spoke into my life positive all the time. And it said, again, because you believe in me, I believe in me. And that's a gift that she gave me. And so if you walk in my office, you'll see it. And I try to be that for other people. Um, how can I speak into other people's lives? So there's a great quote by Stephen Covey, he says, leadership is communicating to people their worth and potential so clearly that they come to see it in themselves. Well, somebody modeled that for me. Uh, my grandmother uh, modeled that for me, and it influences how I try to, I guess, live my life, whether it's my wife, whether it's my kids. When I coach football, I certainly um, try to coach young people that way, um, and certainly, uh, being in the classroom, and again, as a, an administrator, as you speak in the lives of teachers as well. Um, how can I add value to their life um, and, and be a blessing to them? You've touched on some really strong topics. Uh, relationships, modeling or mentoring, and adding value to others. And you briefly touched on the championship game and it wasn't about the trophy, but rather what you got there, or how, what it took to get you there. So you said to me um, in a conversation that it's not about the end product, it's about what it took to get there. Can yeah. you talk about that? Yeah, it's, when you have grown kids, your relationship changes, and what they need from you changes. Uh, and what I find myself doing, um, my two grown kids, they call me all the time. Um, I, I referred, uh, Sarah obviously teaches here, the conversations I have with her, same thing. But I'll just share briefly with Christian. He's, you know, being a major college football coach is a stressful job. And so I talk to him every Sunday after, after the game. When the game's over on Saturday, if they win, I just go, congratulations, move on. This past Saturday, I'm so sorry, and then move on. But he, when he calls and he's just sharing whatever he's sharing, he's dealing with, and um, 
I shared, a, I think I mentioned a story to you. I had an opportunity to be our commencement speaker at a, one of the private schools I was at. And I remember when the head of school came in and says, hey, this is what I want you to do. Immediately my reaction was, oh no. <laughs> and, but in the next second I go, I have to say yes. In order for me to be who I want to be and reach my full potential, I have to say yes. And so I was sharing with Christian um, a quote by Steve Young that played with the 49ers. And um, I was watching the NFL channel, The Football Life. And, and one of the things he said, he said, you know, I've learned through all the ups and downs of life that basically if I want to reach my full potential, whatever's in front of me, I can't go around. I have to go through. And, and that is true. And I, I mentioned that it's also the uh, marketing tagline for Under Armour. It's like you have to go through. And I really believe that that if we're going to grow and we're going to mature, whatever it is we're dealing with, we have to go through it. And so when I think about a team context, and I mentioned this earlier, I heard Bill Parcells say this. You know, he won two Super Bowls with the New York Giants, and it's true. He says, you know, when you win a championship or you achieve anything of significance with a group of people, it's like you have a you have this blood transfusion. You're brothers for the rest of your life. And, and I do believe that, that it's not about that trophy or whatever achievement uh, that you thought was so important. It's the byproduct that comes with it, the relationship, the bond that comes because you went through this difficult thing with a group of people. And when you have achieved it, it just bonds you and connects you for the rest of your life. Jesse and I were talking about this this morning in our administrative meeting. And one of the things I try to communicate to our teachers is like, you know, when a family walks through the door, um, we talk about our mission, we talk about our vision, we talk about partnering, and we're making, we're making a promise and a commitment to that family that we're going to deliver a certain product or service for their kids. And if I'm a teacher in that classroom, that excites me because I get to play a part in delivering what we promise. And so when we graduate whatever class that walks across the stage as a teacher, what excites me is watching who those kids become. And so even, even, when, we, even when we have to deal with discipline, that's the last thing we say to a, a, a young person. What we're more concerned with is who you become. And the fact that you've gone through our process here, maybe this is not one of the best moments, but this doesn't define you. And what I look forward to is when, you've, when you're done, is the type of person you become. And, and I, I, I believe that in my core. Um, again, I reminded Christian, I've been on the tough end of a lot of football games, but those moments have shaped me and who I am and how I, how I look at life today. So is there any feat out there that you feel called to do that you haven't done? Are you compelled to do something that you have to go through that you haven't yet started? Yeah, and this is the scary part. I mentioned to you, um, first week of in-service, had the opportunity to speak to our upper school um, faculty, and um, we talked about, um, Jesse on the first day talked about being a part of this epic adventure. I didn't know what he was gonna talk about. And then the, the next day, I, I had the opportunity to lead our devotional thoughts. And I shared a story based on a book um, called With You All The Way by Max Locato. And it's a story that, that's the story I shared at that graduation a few years ago. And 
about with all the different things we're going through in life, um, there's so many voices competing for our hearts and minds to tell us what we should value, what we should pursue. But the gist of that story is uh, it's by listening to the right voice that we can make it home, whatever, whatever home is, whatever home represents. And the next day I had the opportunity to speak to the middle school, shared the same lesson that I shared with the upper school. And I walked out when I was done and I walked out in the hallway and I still don't know who this person is today. She said, when are you gonna write your book? And I go, why'd you say that to me? <laughs> Just knowing the story of my life. And that's what she said. I don't, I don't know who she is. I can tell you who she was. And, uh, but that's what she said to me. And uh, so I don't, I don't know. Um, this idea of listening to the right voice has been something that has probably obviously been a part of my life for a long time. And there's been little things along the way that's just reinforced for me that that is really the battle when I think about life. Uh, if you go back to the very beginning with Adam and Eve, that's what it came down to. They chose to listen to their own voice and uh, it had terrible consequences for them and for mankind. And so I think just that would be the title. Listen, listen to the right voice. So listening to the right voice, that helps you prepare for something, you, helps you prepare for the feat that you don't know is coming, right? That is correct. Okay, I've got a question about that then. Okay. So last month, Sarah Fuller made history for the Vanderbilt Commodores when she was the first female to play in the Power Five or SEC game, and I checked my ESPN facts. <laughs> Um, and then last weekend she made history again when she was the first female to score. ESPN called it not history made, but her story made. Mm. So she she is a soccer the soccer player for Vanderbilt. But along that same lines of being prepared for when you're called up and you don't know how or when that's going to be, how do you prepare for that opportunity? Wow, it's a good question. Great question. I'll just go back again, my storytelling. One of the last things I said to Christian yesterday, I said, I'm so thankful for the weekends and I'm thankful for my wife because on Saturdays and Sundays, she very seldom asked me to do anything. And one of the, she sets my coffee pot the night before I get up and all I have to do is pour it. I, sometimes she makes it <laughs> for me, but when I, I get to sit down and I get to be still and usually I'm pretty good the, my my most creative time of the day is from about seven until noon. I know that about myself. And my wife, she doesn't bother me. She just lets me have that time. And so Christian called yesterday about probably about eleven thirty, and he again had a tough night the night before. Lost a tough game. A lot a lot was at stake. Probably all a lot of it's gone. And so I said to him, I said, Christian, you know, I've been up since about seven this morning. I've been sitting at this desk. And I'm just pouring into myself. I'm trying to build myself from the inside out so that when those tough times come, whatever it is you have to deal with, um, whether you're talking about a toothpaste, tea bag, when the heat, pressure comes, what's inside of you, that's what's going to come out. So that's why I'm spending all this time just sitting, being still, listening to the right voice trying to build my life around what matters from the inside out. And uh, um, I think a couple things, losing um, 
what's her name, that lost her life and got hit by the car. And the young nurse that lost her life last week. Um, and I think this goes back to losing my mom when I was nine years old. That was the defining moment in my life. You, you just, you know that nothing's guaranteed. That's what I learned when I was nine years old. And so every day, I want to prepare. I want to be prepared for whatever comes. And uh, I was saying this to my wife, you know, uh, when I hang up with my son, you go, as a, as a parent, you just want to, you want to, you want to spare your kids of everything, even when they're little. He's 30 years old now. And you, you, there's a part of you as a parent. But we both said to each other, we can't. We can't spare them. So we need to make sure, even when they were little, we need to make sure we're building them the right way from the inside out. So when those things come, not that God would remove those obstacles, but he would give them what he, they needed to get through. And that's what I said to him. I said, your, your mom and I prayed for you on Saturday night. Not that God would remove those things, but he'd give you what you need to get through it. And uh, um, I believe that's, um, that's what I'm trying to do in my own life. And when I have opportunity to speak into other people's lives, that's a, it, it's about who you are on the inside that, that's going to help you get through whatever you need to get through. So, um, Ken, one of the biggest questions I get about you is, well, is he coaching football here at Lisbon <laughs> Academy? My answer uh, now is no. You know, that's not what I asked Ken to come here for. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely no restrictions necessarily to keep you from doing that, but I think people are seeing and hearing and all those other values that you bring outside of football. However, I am curious, do you miss coaching? It's there's I do, and there's several things. Um, um, being behind these masks, I think I mentioned to you, I get so much energy from being around young people. The things that they do, the things that they say, and I was mentioning about we were playing somebody early this year and we're managing the student section and some of the uh, students from one of the other schools comes through and they, they say something that's not appropriate. And our kids had a great <laughs> response. They go, turn the other cheek. And, and so when you're, part of a, when you're part of a team and you're part of a locker room, you get that all the time from kids. And so I'm, I miss that. I really do. That, again, there's that common purpose that um, the last time I stood before a football team was December of 2019. And I remember saying this to one of our, one of our great players, a guy by the name of Woody Barks. And I said, Woody, how old are you? And he says, Coach, I'm 18. At the time, I was 56. I said, Woody, you're 18. I'm 56. Here's what's so cool. We've got the same purpose. Tonight, we have the same purpose. And he just got this big smile on his face. And so it's having that common purpose that brings you together. And I can be a 56-year-old guy and an 18-year-old young man, but we're focused on the same thing and how that bonds us. And so you know, Woody's at... LSU right now, but because of the three years I had with him and struggling and straining to try to accomplish a common goal, it's bonded us. It's, it's bonded us for the rest of our life. And um, so I miss that part. I do, I do miss that. Yeah, one thing, when somebody talks to me about leadership, I always tell them, you're only as successful as the people you surround yourself with. And uh, I love building teams. And when I realized for certain I was coming to Lipscomb Academy, uh, you were the first person I called. 
Uh, I hope that our glimpse that we're giving people today uh, helps them realize why <laughs> and how smart of a decision that was uh, to give you that call. So thankful that you're here with us. So I just want to thank you, Ken. Thank you to our listeners uh, out there. And uh, we hope that you guys will join us next time. Thanks for listening to Mustangs Unbridled, an exploration into the lives of Lipscomb Academy's alumni, parents, students, teachers, and interesting folk we meet along the way. To learn more about our school, visit www.lipscombacademy.org. Until next time when the Mustangs run free, this has been Mustangs Unbridled.